Good morning and Good welcome morning. back um, from our little summer break. Uh, we've had a bit of time off and uh, hopefully people have found a bit of a different rhythm come August, although it's not everyone. I guess if you haven't mm. got kids or grandkids, um, it feels um, very similar. But for us, it's been uh, a bit of a break mm-hmm. and a change in routine. And we're just having to get back into the routine of getting up early. Yeah, the school run is merciless. And doing packed lunches and getting involved in all the things that we haven't mm-hmm. done for a few weeks. Um, I thought it would be nice to start by thinking we, we're going to do this home group at Wednesday, but we ran, ran out of time. Kind of one mm. good, one bad, uh, and one thing moving forward. Mm. So Claire, can you do one good, one bad, one thing moving forward? Oh, one good. Um, I just love having my family all together. I really love having the children home from school the that the ways that um you can be together and have a quantity of time rather than just you know strive for quality time you just get quantity of time together to do just normal things to chill out together and um i've really enjoyed that what about you so one good um i think being on holiday i did two activities with the kids that i thought was really mm. good so i went um tried to learn how to surf with toby and sam um on south shields beach yeah and we did all right i think all three of us got up at least a few times uh and then i went axe throwing with one of your uncles yeah um where i took and toby toby and sam again as well with very sharp axes and knives lobbing them into a board um so they were kind of my two good experiences Mm. good holiday fun experiences you also did um go ape we did go ape Um, which you did very well at i got way up into the treetops and realized very quickly this was not for me having done all the training for it which took quite a long time and was um was not the most fun activity to then finally get up into the tree hops and realize nah nah this is not for me had to climb back down and um was it and get your refund sad and get my refund they gave me a refund <laughs> for me being so cowardly they gave me a <laughs> refund i was quite pleased with that so me and toby and sam continued on that one um um as well um so then one bad has to be the weather yeah. I genuinely think this is the worst summer I've experienced and I grew up in Newcastle <laughs> so you know that really is saying something but it's just as a pointer I have I have not put the washing on the line most of the summer and that's mm. just one of those things you know you stop using the tumble dryer when it gets to um kind of April May but no no not this year because it has rained right throughout certainly right throughout the summer holidays And um, by the end of it, I was quite desperate for some sunshine. And thankfully, we've had a little spell of summer. And um, this is topping up my need for sunshine and vitamin D. But as far as the summer goes, I was seriously aggrieved. Yeah, and that's probably, I I think it's reflected on me as well. Just the greyness, I think it's probably my bad as well. Uh, I think... You know, like I enjoy being outside, you know, like being outside, but just the greyness to um, life. And I think it was grey in Cambridge and it's certainly grey in Newcastle as well. Although we had a good few sunshiny days, but mm. felt there was a lot of grey um, around. And then one thing going forward. Well, it's interesting. I've done um, I've done quite a lot of illustration lately and especially over the summer. I've tried to keep that going, but it's that was something that was a harder discipline when everything mm. else was thrown up into the air. So I'm really trying to get back on board with illustration and see where that's going. I don't know whether that's where that's going. I don't know if there's a career in it, but you know, I feel optimistic that this is um, 
something that I found that seems to mm. really resonate with me. So I'm going to keep on illustrating and, and seeing where that goes. Mm. And I think for me, I've come back um, after my breakaway just reflecting a little bit on what I do with my time, certainly my work mm. time. Uh, I tend to find myself getting dragged into lots of practical stuff and I think I've come back just wanting to focus on um, sort of teaching and that was a little bit of last night uh, mm. and then people I want to spend more time yeah. with people praying with people and being around people and then um, hopefully I'll find ways of other stuff getting done without me mm. um, so that's kind of my going forward that's what I've kind of reflected on the next few months and um, to work through well there we go a little introduction mm. um, to us so we uh, we normally reflect a little bit on what was said on Sunday and um, we it's a bit like buses, two of them come along. So we had yeah. two services. I'm, yeah. I'm not used to doing two Sunday services. I've got pretty lax um, about that. <laughs> so I'm used to doing uh, a Sunday morning and then uh, and not. Um, but we did two services yesterday, very different services. So we yeah, had a, very different. Uh, a harvest uh, celebration in the field behind Cara mm-hmm. uh, with a barbecue afterwards, which was really nice. And the sun was shining. And the sun was mm-hmm. shining. You know, see, I think you had your sunglasses on yeah. uh, at some point. Uh, and then in the evening, um, late on, me, Claire and Bismarck um, kind of introduced the book of John uh, mm. as we um, went through. And it's probably that, the evening one, that it would be good just to reflect on mm. uh, come Monday morning. Because um, it was a bit more like a lecture. I'm not a lecturer. But it felt more, you know, like that than sort of preaching. Um, trying to uh, kind of dissect and... Uh, boil down information that mm. uh, I've read over the week to something that was kind of tangible and, and sort of meaning meaningful for people mm-hmm. um, and I do stand by that quote at the beginning or what I said at the beginning and I think sometimes it's a bit like I, we never watched it but there's a program kind of the un, unmasked magician or something the masked yeah, magician okay. where he kind yeah. of went behind the scenes and just spoilt it you know kind of yeah. went and spoil all of them all the magic shows everything just explained how everyone did it and uh, I think there's an element to that in in sort of preaching that if we're not careful, we kind of hold this book up as magical uh, and just tell people not to question it and do what it says. Um, well, for me, I think it's um, I haven't seen the magic, the ma- unmasked. What's it called? Unmasked I, I don't even know what it's called. But, but there is like there that. is something about that, isn't there? Um, but for me, it's the wizard in The Wizard of Oz that um, he seems all great and powerful when he's blown up. Um, above them but it's actually an illusion when she pulls the curtain it's just a little man um you know with various technical aids that um that make him look like a great wizard but actually Mm -hmm. he's a man and it's the same isn't it you kind of you don't want to be you don't want to be doing anything false either way because i don't believe scripture is a little timid man behind the curtain i believe it is all great and powerful so we don't need to be worried about pulling the curtain back and although at times we might think hmm that's not what I thought it was yes that doesn't um take away any of its power no it kind of bridges the gap between theological college and church and I think that's been wanting for a long time that you know we send these ministers off to get trained um teach them theological teach them hermeneutics teach them greek and then stick them in church and Nobody wants to hear. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, no, no, just tell me, tell me the kind yeah. of the simple truths uh, and don't get too deep. Uh, and certainly don't question this Bible that, you know, we kind of probably hold up there as 
within the Trinity, you know, Father, Son, yeah. and Holy Scripture. Um, yeah. You know, we've kind of replaced the Spirit with Scripture, and let's not question it, let's not... And depending on what tradition you're from, you might have different scales on that. Mm. Um, but it's certainly felt like um, that there's been this kind of blank, kind of, let's not question it. And certainly within the Baptist yeah, circles, I, I mean, people people from other traditions tend to say that with the Baptists, it's the Father, Son and the Holy Bible. Yeah, I um, think that's probably And fair I enough. think other traditions maybe have a slightly different bent, but I think within our Baptist tradition, uh, perhaps even the Bible comes above the Father at times, yeah, or at least it can feel that way. So you don't need to have, have, have watched last night um, to reflect on, on this really, but we kind of looked at who John was and tried to understand who the author was and and like most things, it's not a simple, simple endeavour mm. um, because it, it really it does not say written by John the Apostle um, on the front of the yeah. gospel. It doesn't say that. Um, so what people have done is try to work out. And I remember that, you know, so it must have been pretty early on in New Testament lectures at college. I remember feeling quite um, hostile towards the lecturer who was telling us that it was that we don't know who wrote the Gospels. It's like, well, excuse me. Yeah, we do. If you open the page, it just says right there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why are you trying to change this? I, I, did, I did feel some hostility. And I accepted, because you know, the, the great and wise and powerful are telling you these things. You accept it. But actually, it's, it's something that has taken me perhaps a longer time to accept. Yeah, and I think... And, 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 Church tradition is strong, so you know church tradition you know asserts that it's John the Apostle who yeah. wrote it, and whether we think he did or he was the source and someone else edited it, uh, whether we believe it wasn't that John, it was another John, um, and I guess the kind of question come Monday morning is, does it matter? Mm. Um, and I don't know. Well, I mean, first of all, I think I think on this one, I think on other ones. On other books written in the Bible, it's almost certain that they weren't written by the person that it says they were written yeah. by. I think when it comes to the Gospel of John, there is still reasonably, there's still a good amount of evidence to say that he wrote, if not all of it, part of it, or at Certainly least the source. Heavy, heavily influence the entire text. So I I think with with John's Gospel, we don't necessarily need to veer as much but there's still it's still not solid ground i guess you'd say but does it matter that's interesting i would say what matters is the gospel what matters is the fact that it was written it was written we now know close to the time that jesus yeah. lived not directly after um his ascension but you know not within several hundred years no. was, we're talking about within a generation of jesus living this was this was kind of published so i'd say in that sense it's authoritative mm. regardless of the name and also it's not um it depends who published it you know you get like a lot of people self-publish their works these <laughs> days and they usually come in not overly well lined up typeface <laughs> and the cover's a bit hooey. And that isn't what we have here. This is yeah. um, this is the whole weight of the early church went on 
to um, bringing these gospels together. And a lot of other ones were thrown out at the same time. So I'd say I trust the early church. I trust what they're doing. And I trust the name that they ascribe to it for whatever reason. Um, Because it's it's still, it's it's us passing on stories from the wall. I live a generation removed from the wall. But I trust the stories that my grandmother told. I trust the stories that my grandfather's told. So I have have a sense of what happened and whilst I'd be removed as long as somebody puts together their work so I think we can I think we can be confident and trustworthy you accept it as trustworthy yeah and I I, I think I'd probably agree although I, I think you'd struggle to find a theologian who would say it that strongly uh, I think you know certainly the reading I've done says yes but you know most of them would like I said last night, I have agreed that there was a correlation, but not necessarily as strong as we, uh, as you've just said. Well, then I've done some different reading. To you. Yeah, well, there you go. So, <laughs> you've obviously you went more books. in depth than me, so well, I'm gonna knows? I'm gonna pass it on to well, you. Well, yeah, and, I, and it's where you put the trust and where you put the weight on this. And you know, we're not talking about an archaeological dig or a science experiment. We're talking about mm. you know looking at scriptural pieces of scripture and and working through what that says. Um, yeah so we kind of have uh, a little bit of think about and I think kind of your point is does it matter probably not because it stands within the tradition of our church and uh, I don't think it affects its trustworthiness um, well not so much the tradition of our church which is now 2,000 years later yes. but it stands within the tradition of the early church yeah. and was accepted by them and that to me is weighty yeah, I think that is um, that is really valid, isn't it? You know, just the the weight that they put on it, and uh, and then the sense that they were willing to live with four gospels uh, and bound them together, uh, and were happy that they weren't didn't all match. I mean, that's mm. quite significant, isn't it? And I think I don't know who someone has has tried to put the kind of definitive gospel together trying to put them all together it's impossible you know it's hard you know because it isn't like that it's four distinct stories well you know some of them have you know more kind of relation to mark than others so mark tends Mm. to be the one that uh, people think was the main source and then others come off that and again that was another thing that rocked my world in college i remember over on the the overhead projector we still had overhead projectors then and there was the table of the four gospels and how i thought all of the stories matched up and then I saw it all together and they didn't all match up and they weren't all exactly the same. Um, so that was, you know, the, the sense that actually it's not all completely rock solid, I think is the word. Yeah, and I think if you look at, you know, what well, that in some ways has a value because it's distinct, you know, and there's mm. different people telling the same story. And the early church obviously were happy with that. You know, it wasn't, you know, you would think if there was a problem early on, they would say, no, no, come on, let's just put it all together in one. Uh, and we'll just make it sound, you know, as in one story of Jesus. Yeah. Um, because otherwise people are going to, you know, lose their faith over it. But they were happy to have those four different stories. And I know when we were talking about this some time ago, um, in terms of the uh, my family, whenever we have a get-together, we have um, the, the story of the great sledging incident. And there's four children... In, there was four children, there's my, myself, my brother and my two cousins. Wherever we get together, the story is retold. Now, everybody tells a slightly different version. 
and will continue to tell a slightly different version. We've all got things that we want to bring out of the story. The story is still the same and we all delight in telling the story and the differences do not negate the original story. Briefly... Um, I thought you weren't going to tell the story. I know. Well, I'm going to have to tell the story because it's it's legend in our family that we went um, sledging down a really, really, really big bank. Um, as children, my granddad always used to take us out for walks with, with the dog. We had this really ancient sledge that my other granddad um, had had since, since his children were children. My mom was a child. And we... Well, my my brother had gone down, my cousin Stephen, the oldest boy, had gone down. It was really steep, and right at the bottom was um, what was at, at the best a stream, but thanks to all the snow, it was what looked like a fast-flowing river to a, a ten-year-old. Um, and we, um, me, and my cousin, my other, my other cousin Jen, we finally plucked up the courage to go down. Stephen promised to stop us at the bottom as as we hit. As we got near this, you know, vastly flowing river. Um, so we get on the sledge, we head down, the dog is charging alongside of us. Um, I th- I'm sure I'm at the front, but Jennifer now disagrees with me and she thinks she was at the front. We go fast down the hill and just as we approach the bottom, Stephen steps to one side. Claire and Jen and the sledge fly straight over the edge into the river, which, like I say, very fast flowing by this point it really probably wasn't it was it was a stream um completely soaked we get out Stephen's laughing he said he never said he was going to stop us but I know he did and um Granda makes Stephen pull us all the way home on the sledge where we had no clothes so we had to get into my grandma's underwear which was not brilliant but has been retold many many times all with a slightly different bent and it's a beloved story in our family. And the, the thing for me is that the, the details being different don't in any way stop this being cherished by our family. The details in the gospel, I think, to the people then weren't seen as a problem. They were how that person had recorded it or those people had recorded it. Um, so, sorry, I, do, I digress. No, I mean, that's... Um I'd say I'd never heard that story, but I must have heard that story a million times. Um, <laughs> and and that's kind of how much do we understand the artistic nature of putting a gospel together? You know, mm. this is a story, someone recording a story and writing a story. And I think in John, it's more evident. And I kind of alluded to that um, mm. yesterday. It's more evident that there's probably more kind of heart than kind of head in it. Yeah. Uh, and this... Ability, and I will will have a look at some of the Ian Galloway book that I uh, mentioned as well, and you know whether it's quite like this. It's so supremely crafted in this way that Ian Galloway um, says or not. There is a, a craft to that writing mm. um, that isn't just someone recording their diary. It is someone who's picking stories and images uh, and pulling things out mm. that have a powerful way of expressing that 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 story uh, so the storyteller weight you know i think is is really heavy in john uh, and you know we looked at matthew and some of the bluntness to what mm. you know matthew says and uh, we did the book of mark a couple of years ago and it's the same it's quite factual and yeah but here we have such a very different take uh, on the story uh, and 
you know, acknowledging that these are storytellers. Mm. And just like you've shared your story, John was trying to share his story uh, and pull out, you know, quite different strands that obviously, you know, the early church were happy to live with. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I think there's something quite special about that. And we wouldn't have these images that we have from John yeah. uh, if the early church wasn't willing to, to to kind of agree to that. And I'd imagine that there was there was a lot of time when they, they could have argued against that. They could have had it adapted and they didn't so they didn't choose to get uppity about it so i don't think we have to get uppity about it i think the the challenges come and i think we've talked about it a little bit before it's just the fundamentalist you know kind mm. of have to believe scriptures i've got to believe it you know 100 mm. percent as it's written uh and you know there's people who will die in a ditch over it being you know seven days literal seven days creation because if i question that mm. if i question that that's not literal truth then everything else falls apart and it just does such a disservice to the value of scripture if we just read it as literal truth and i think john we're going to see some of that that this narrative this storytelling element comes through really powerfully uh, and it's really valuable and amazing mm. and you know I think there's something uh, in your bit, you talked about Mary and Martha and uh, and in John having more of this kind of heart mm. focus to it. And I do wonder whether there's a male-female divide to it. You know, you kind of have it between Matthew, don't you? Matthew's just very factual, feels very blokey. Yeah. You know, this happened. Oh, and this woman came along and did this. Uh, but in John, we have more of a feminine, mm. you know, kind of understanding of Jesus and uh, and quite a kind of evocative you know, images of Jesus well, the engaging. Idea the perfume in the uh, in the story of the woman anointing Jesus, who he names as Mary, yeah. um, which Matthew doesn't give a name. Um, I think, is it John that says it's the feet, but Matthew says it's the head? Yeah, I, I think, I yeah, remember. Matthew I doesn't mention... Sure that's the yeah, right way so. around. Um, but the John mentions that the perfume fills the whole yeah. room. The smell of the perfume fills the whole room, the fragrance. And I mean, what a... You can... You're then in the room, yeah. aren't you? You're in the room and you're, you know, you're really getting that sense. Um, it, the, the mention of the hair, even, that she wipes she wipes it off with yeah. her hair. I mean, there's a, and a real intimacy. Yeah. Um, that I think almost perhaps in our kind of buttoned up uh, Baptist Christianity, we can find that's a bit too much. Yeah. That the intimacy of a woman wiping jesus's feet with her hair i mean goodness you can you imagine being a an onlooker thinking what on earth is going on here i shouldn't i shouldn't even be looking at this um and yet john includes it in a very sensual way yeah he does there is a lot of heart to john's gospel that i've appreciated more as i've got older i think yeah i think it's gonna be interesting you're kind of delving into some of those um mm. pastor and I, I think you know, whatever we believe the structure is and, and how the structure is put together, you know, there's a, a kind of a direction and a narrative uh, and a particular reason why he put the stories in that he put in mm. uh, and why he missed out the stuff that he missed out, you know, yeah. that libraries for wouldn't you know, be able to record. And you know. where he put them. Yeah. Nothing, uh, you touched on this last night and I have to say when you you got involved in the cube, I've seen yeah, it's that before a quite and picture, once isn't it? the kind of cube temple thing <laughs> For those who haven't seen it, you know, I'm not even a, a try and describe it because I wouldn't, 
it was over my head. It was really over my head. And it seemed a bit tenuous to me, but perhaps if I'd study it more, I'd see the merit of it. But either way, this idea that John was constructing these stories to build up a temple, I like I say, over my head. But there is a structure. There are the ways he pairs stories together. Yeah. And once you see it, you can't really unsee it. You, you you can't read it in a different way. And it's a bit hard because we read things um, where the chapter headings go. Yeah, we do. And if anything, that kind of stops us reading the story just for itself. Yeah. And I think if we didn't have the chapters and the headings and the verses, perhaps we'd read it and go, oh, this is obviously a section. Yeah. Um, but the person who put the chapters in people um didn't necessarily do it in that way because i mean the the kind of the amazing uh kind of literature of john the gospel i mean it is it's their version of kind of a, a cinema cinematic masterpiece mm-hmm. you know these are well-constructed storytellers putting something together that wows the audience mm. you know they didn't have cinemas in those days this is what how they told stories it was like you know clever mechanisms of putting things together you know other gospel writers sandwich things together in between but it john seems to be kind of pulling bits together and it's so hard for us you know so disengaged from the culture uh, and disengaged because we've had 2000 years not of necessarily continuing how they understood it but we've mm. kind of gone away from it come back come really kind of hard onto something and other things and it's not that we still think how they did then or even told stories how they did mm. then um so it's a, a real challenge to put yourself back there uh, and that's why i think we've got to get rid of this inerrancy conversation we've got to get rid of this literal conversation and yeah. allow scripture to speak in something of its original form uh, as but much it, as possible. Isn't it amazing that we're still reading it? Yeah. So, you know, I remember being um, really blown away when Lord of the Rings came out, which I think now was about 20, 21 years ago. Um, but when it came out, the cinematography, the, just the way they'd handled the story, absolute, it was legendary. Yeah. And, yet, and you had to wait a year. Between and you had film. to wait a year until the next one came out. And... Really, everybody talked about Lord of the Rings yeah. during that three-year period. And now, it looks slightly dated. Yeah, it's still yeah. a fantastic film based on an amazing book. But it's it, it was 20 years ago. I can't, you know, you could say, do you want to watch it with the kids? And they go, oh, can we not watch a modern film? It's like, what? It's only, <laughs> we've just, it's just come out. Um, and yet, with the Gospels, yeah. that was 2,000 years ago. But we're still, we're still very much grappling with them right now, um, and more than any other ancient text. Yeah. There are, you know, you can read Plato, and you know, there's there's other texts of ancient times. But really, you don't you don't read them. People no. commonly don't read them in the way that we read the Gospels. There is a challenge, and I think we need to acknowledge this. If you're outside of the church, I don't think that's true. I think if you're outside of the church you probably play little or little credence to scripture. Mm. I think, yeah, and as in the church, we hold it in such high esteem and such value. Um, but I don't think everyone else does. Uh, I think they probably think it's a bit outdated, a bit, yeah, a little bit like Lord of the Rings, mm. you know, for us. And I think there's a challenge there uh, of communicating something of the Bible to a culture that doesn't really put the weight on it that maybe previous generations did um, yeah. because there was an acceptance there. Um 
and I think that's that's a real challenge for the church. How mm. do we communicate story? You know, who's who who's going to give two hoots about a woman putting oil on someone's head and wiping their feet? If we're honest, yeah, you know, I, I don't know who's going to yes care about that. And no, what I would say though is, how many people read Plato in the world? Other than unless you're a philosophy know. student, yeah, you are very unlikely to read any of the Greek philosophers. But most people would know some of the gospel stories. Yeah. Most people would know um, of the um, the Samaritan, the Good yeah. Samaritan. I think most people would yeah. know that. No, I mean, true. there's a charity named after them. So we have an we have already. They're not just our stories. No, they're not. But so I, yes, there might yeah. be a sense in which they are not perceived to be relevant. But these are all of our stories, and I think they're still still there they're not necessarily as fresh or as excitable as maybe they would have been when everybody went to Sunday school but I think I think they still belong in in everybody's hearts to a, a greater or lesser degree and I think that's the challenge of the church how do we communicate that um, mm. because I think there's a but I think it's coming it's acknowledging that you know people value scripture differently to to how we value it um, and the universal truths in scripture that's why we believe it's god breathed that's why we believe it's yes. you know true because it's you know can speak to our generation i just think we need to acknowledge that probably our culture doesn't give put that much yeah. weight on it uh, than but i think cultures. that brings us to the celtic church yeah okay. again as i talked about briefly yesterday and the celtic church particularly loved john yeah because the celtic church loved the world they loved nature um, they believed in goodness in each person. And I think that is why perhaps John's gospel in particular is a way into, you know, the rest of culture's lives. Yeah. Because we might have got particularly concerned over the details and the whys and the wherefores and the Matthew and the Peter um, way of theology. But I think John is concerned with, as I said last night, the cosmos. He's yeah. concerned with the good in everybody, in the way the the word penetrates all of life. And I think that in our even in our modern postmodern society, I think that gives us a way in. I, I that's why perhaps there's a lot of return to um looking at models of Celtic Christianity yeah. because as our um traditionalist way of Christianity has actually detached us from the world. I believe the Celtic model allows us to see the world as something to interact with, mm. not to be frightened of, but as a part of us. And I think if we reclaim some of what John's talking about and what the Celtic church talks about, I think actually our evangelism will be much more honest and true and vulnerable than um, perhaps it has been in the last couple mm. of decades. Well, that's into we're out of time. You believe mm -hmm. it? You're out of time. So, um, I think next week we'll look at the kind of uh, the first bit of John together uh, and reflect on that on Sunday morning. Um, but thank you for joining us. Thank you for being part of our little podcast. God bless you wherever Take you care. find yourself listening to this. Bye bye.